First Peter five, verse five and six. So read this with me, if you would. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. And so we're going to talk about this passage tonight, these two verses. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago, I can't remember how long ago, but maybe a few months ago on a Sunday morning, I preached a sermon on humility and meekness and humility. And here we are again. And it must be something the Lord uh, wants us, amen, to, to get a hold of. And when He talks about, uh, you know, younger submit to the elder. And then we're going to get to that specifically. And it says, Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. You have to be humble to subject yourself to someone else or to, to, to willingly bring yourself under another. And so when the Bible talks about submission, and I know we've talked about this before, but the famous scripture that comes to my mind is James 4.7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Uh, Peter talks about submitting to every ordinance of, of man for God's sake as unto the Lord. Kings, the kings are supreme or governors or whoever it may be. And then he says, yea, and you have to take this in the context of being believers. Okay? Um, yea, uh, and be clothed. Yea, all, be, all of you be subject one to another. And you have to be humble to do that. That submission or subjection is a willing subjection. It's not... Pharaoh with his taskmasters saying you're going to make more bricks and we're not going to give you the straw to do it. And the tale of bricks is not going to diminish. Go gather straw. And, and if you don't do it, and they beat them. It was merciless. It was, it was an oppression. It was a forced submission. If they'd had their choice, they would not have, right? They're crying out to God and groaning for freedom. That's not how we are in the Lord. We're not groaning for freedom from the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? We're, we're willingly subject unto the Lord. And our Lord says, be subject one to another. So this is part of His Word and part of His command. It's within the house of God, within the, the body of Christ. That part specifically when it says, all of you be subject one to another. So we have to be clothed into, in humility. That's a mutual submission. Me to you and you to me. And then, and then within, within that as well, you see youngers younger be subject to the elder. So I want to talk about this a little bit tonight in the humility because humility runs through all of this. And one of the chief signs of a renewed spirit, how can you tell if somebody's born again? One of the ways we can tell other than saying than a person saying, "Yeah, I've been born again." Okay? And we should say that. But one of the things that would be noticed is going to be uh, the absence of the haughty spirit, the prideful, lifted up spirit. If God's really saved them and purchased them, uh, and it's one of those things that pride is one of those things that that vaunts itself. You know what I mean? It, it shows itself, and it's not real pretty. The world kind of likes that all eyes on me mentality, and but that's not of the Lord. Because when we humble ourselves, this is what's taught through the Scriptures, humble yourself therefore in the mighty hand of God, 
that He will exalt you in due time. It says in James 4, almost the exact same thing. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. So we see that that in one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, and meekness is one of those. Uh, meekness. And that is a character trait. More than that, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit within the life of a believer. And so the, the manner of the world would be the pride. So if I'm saved from my sin and saved from uh, being under the dominion of the God of this world and delivered from His kingdom, which I am and born again, then some point in my life, one of the traits or characteristics of my life will have to be true godly humility. He works that in us. And I will say that it's one of the hardest to, to have changed. It's one of the hardest and most difficult things because one of the things about pride is that it can change. It can take on different forms. Even as we're growing in Christ, we can mask it and cover it, but inwardly it's still there. You know, there's a lot of sin. There are a lot of sins that, that are just blatant that even the world, that's a lost world, they even know that's wrong. Okay? And let's say I was involved in these things before I came to Christ. Now I'm saved. And a lot of those big, ugly, obvious sins can go away real quickly. But a lot of the, what I would call more hidden sins of the heart, they're all from the heart. Okay? The Bible says that. But they're more hidden. And they can be manipulated. They can be uh, coerced, so to speak, and hidden at certain times. Uh, so the big, obvious, ugly, gross sins of immorality and things that, that go out of our life, praise God, they do. Many of them so quickly. I mean, instantly, there are people that were uh, alcoholics and bar hoppers and that kind of thing, and they get saved, and instantly that's gone out of their life. Instantly. But still in their heart and in my heart, and, and maybe your heart, we're, we're fighting with fear. When the Bible says, you know, we're to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Or we're fighting with this pride that we're talking about tonight. And we can act humble at some time, at times and still not be humble. But the Lord's concerned with us really being humble. It's a fruit of His Spirit. So that's kind of what we're, we're talking about uh, tonight. A, a worldly person is proud of all kinds of things, but a Christian person could be proud of, of, of their Christianity. You know what I mean? A pastor could be proud, proud of their influence over their people or the influence of their notoriety or their sermons. A pastor could be proud of these kind of things. Uh, and being, they, they love being praised or, or magnified in the eyes of people. And we can cover it and say, oh, glory to God. But really, well, we should say glory to God, but we should say glory to God and mean it from the heart, our heart of hearts, not that it's the pastoral thing or the Christian thing to say. We should really mean it. And so, uh, we have to be convicted of this pride. Right? If I'm going to repent of something and deal with it, and get up, maybe it calls for fasting. Maybe it calls for prayer above and beyond my normal, what I call my normal prayer life. Maybe it's God's going to bring some drastic measures and say, do you really want me to work humility in your life? I will do it. It's a hard one to let go of. Are you ready? Yes, Lord, I'm desperate. I know I have to be convicted of that as being a sin. 
and see it in my own life first. Would you agree? I have to see that because the only one that can really help me is God. I could have 20 Christians say, you're so prideful, and say, I'm so sorry. you know. But until I'm convicted of it in my heart, uh, I'm not going to deal with it seriously enough for God to really deal with it. He can help us in that. He can definitely work, and He's the only one who can. But we might call it, we might not call it pride, we might call it independence or I'm, I'm self-reliant, you know, and it's it's but it can be really an, an arrogance if we don't watch it. We need to learn to and, and one way to find out, you know, the Bible talks about um, you know, just esteeming others better than yourself. If we do that, in our minds we're doing that, I'm esteeming, but if somebody else does it, we don't like it. In other words, if somebody put you in your place, we don't want to be put in our place. But the Bible says, for example, if you come into a room, take the lowest seat. Don't take the highest seat where the big wigs sit. And then your master might say, or the, who's ever the head of the party or whatever, might say, no, uh, Sherry, come sit up here with us. That's way better than to say, get down from there. I've got some other people going to be sitting up there. You need to come sit down here. Then you can find out if you're really humble because your heart's just mad and you're like, you don't want somebody else to humble you is my point, or I don't want that. And that's an easy way to find out is that pride of life still there? Does it still have a stronghold in my life? And uh, you know what? And I love this, this book I've been studying. He says we can pride ourselves in our sweetness of disposition. We can pride ourselves, we can be very proud of our humility. That we're so humble and we're sure that everyone around us is an admirer. They may not be saying it, but everybody's really admiring me for my humility right now. And I'm soaking it in. <clears throat> Look how humble. You understand the point? That That's a pride. We should just be humble. I've said it a thousand times because <clears throat> to me it's still the best it's not a technical Greek definition of the word humility, but to me it's a good picture of humility. D.L. Moody said humility is not thinking meanly of yourself, like, well, I hate myself, I'm the worst, I'm a loser, I'm this. Just running yourself in the dirt, thinking that all the time. That's not humility. <clears throat> he says true humility is not thinking about yourself at all. Now that's a whole lot harder, isn't it? Because we can think, oh, all right, I'm going to go in tonight, I'm going to be so humble, and I sure hope people notice how humble I am. And somebody comes and says to me, you're being so humble, but you're still thinking about yourself. There's a little self still on the throne. And for real humility, it's like I'm dead to that. If I never get noticed for anything good, if I never get praised, thank God we can encourage one another. I'm not saying that that's how it should be. We ought to look to encourage our brothers and sisters in the Lord. If somebody teaches Sunday school and it ministered to your life, it, what would it hurt to go up and say, I appreciate your study time. That really ministered to me today. Now, on the flip side, that, that's what we ought to do. And we ought to look for opportunities to do that. It's a blessing, isn't it? It really is. But at the same time, what if you studied really hard, you know you heard from the Lord, and you taught that Sunday school, and not one person came and patted you on the back and told you it was wonderful. Can you be okay with that? Can I be okay with that and say, Lord, I did what you had me to do, and not pout and not hope somebody notices that they didn't notice me, and I'm pouting over in the corner, and finally somebody comes and says, What's wrong? Nothing. And, you know, and we want somebody to, oh, 
oh, nobody, you know, it, that Sunday school lesson was really great. You know, we don't want that kind of backhand compliment. And so um, can you be okay with it? So I'm looking at both sides of that. I ought to be a, a person who gives not flatteries, but real encouragement. That is a wonderful trait. Barnabas was the son of consolation or the son of encouragement. He encouraged the Apostle Paul, who at that time was a new believer. Took him under his wing, so to speak, and brought him before the body and said, this is a true brother in Christ. He encouraged Paul. And um, So don't be a flatterer. Be a true encourager. And on the flip side, we have to be okay if we're encouraged by none other than the Lord and only Him. I pray you're not. Pray that we would encourage one another. But I need to be okay with that. David encouraged himself in the Lord. You know that account in the Bible when he's running from Saul and it says he was hiding in the cave of Adullam and 400 people that were in debt and they were disgruntled and had all kinds of problems. Not not the kind of people you want when you're depressed yourself and running for the king. 400 of them resorted to him and started hanging out with him and saying, we're here with you. And he probably was like, really? Uh, Anyway, but the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. So we have to be able to do that. Anyway, uh, let's move on. And we need to be clothed in this humility, is what the Bible says, clothed in it. And of all of the evil, corrupt nature you know, that we have, like I said, the pride can be the most difficult to, to really crucify and, and be brought to death. It can be very difficult. We value our opinions, don't we? Well, my opinion, I really think this. Even if we're too scared to say it, we value it more highly than someone else's opinion in the room or in the church. And why don't they see it my way? That still is pride. And so the Lord's got to help to us. And it, it, uh, it can cleave to us. You know, pride can cling to us and it can almost swallow up the other uh, good things that the Lord's doing in your life, the good character traits, that pride comes in, and all the beautiful, pretty, pretty wonderful things that God was working in your heart and the meekness, and I mean, uh, other things, and that, that pride can sort of taint it off and make it ugly. And I want us to, uh, to, to just think about this. Humility is of the Lord, a true godly humility. Uh, we've talked about it before. That there can be a false humility, which is actually pride. It's ugly. It's not Christ-like. It's more the self-pity and mealy mouth. You're so much prettier than I am. You're so much handsome, more handsome. You're such a better athlete than me. I could never teach Sunday school like you could. That's not humility. That's feeling sorry for yourself. And if you want to give a compliment or encourage, then encourage. Although if you don't think you're a good teacher, ask God to help you become a better teacher or whatever. But that's not real humility. It's, it's, a, it's a sin, and it's, again, it's the way of the world and it's the way of the devil. Satan was lifted up with pride, right? What got him kicked, it out, kicked out of heaven was his pride. I, I, I. I'll exalt my throne above the Most High. I'll do this. I'll do that. And he was lifted up in his beauty, and that's what the, the Bible says. And we know when, when uh, John says in 1 John 2, he says, all that's in the world. And he sums up all that's in the world, the lost world, in three things. The, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the, the eyes, and the pride of life. There's just a pride that goes with it. And Jesus, the Bible says, 
Philippians 2, 5-11, you know the passage, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon him the form of a servant. Humbled himself. That is such the key to it. It's so much better to humble yourself. And that even what Peter just said, what we read, humble yourselves. It's not like Damien humbling Katie. It's Katie humbling herself to the Lord. And Damien humbling himself. That's so much better. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and let Him lift you up. If Jesus did that, He humbled Himself and became obedient. Subject to God, to His parents, the Bible says. Became obedient to His parents. Found favor with God and man. It's just an amazing thing that, that God who can do anything He wanted to willingly subjected Himself uh, to, to a death on the cross. And let, let's just talk about this. You don't have to turn there. But you know at the Last Supper, and I'm just going to read a little passage here. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He was come from, and that he was come from God and went to God, riseth from supper, this is the Last Supper, laid aside His garments and took a towel and girded Himself. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith He was girded. All right, and then he says, as you've seen me do, this is how you're to do to one another. As the Son of Man, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto or served, but to minister and give His life a ransom for all. So there can be great, no greater picture than Him going to the cross, okay, humbling Himself <coughs> in that form, but a real display specifically to His followers. And... Uh, if he says, Peter says, be clothed with humility, and think about Jesus, he laid aside his normal garment that he was wearing and gird himself with a towel. I don't know exactly what that looked like. And, and so now, what is he? He took on basically the, the attire or the wardrobe, I guess you'd say, of a servant. It wasn't even his normal everyday clothes. He wrote and he put a, a towel around him. And he knelt down. And we've, we've heard sermons on this before. And this is not a full sermon on that. But he began to wash the disciples' feet. He was showing the humility. He was showing the death to ourselves. He was showing the preferring one another. And coming not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And uh, the author of this book says, Never was, uh, surely Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like he. Just at that moment when he puts the towel, I mean, his clothes away and puts a towel on, you would think a king's going to be dressed like a king. You know, crown on his head and a beautiful flowing purple gold robe and sitting on the throne and just dressed to the T like nobody else. But he was never more beautiful than in that moment when he's humbling himself in that, that attire of a servant. All of you be clothed with humility is what the Bible says. And so, again, in order to submit ourselves, there has to be that true humility. How do we do it? How do we humble ourselves? We say, okay, I know it's an admirable fruit. It's a wonderful trait. I know it's hard to deal with. How do we deal with it? And I would say simply this. This is, uh, first of all, we have to be convicted of our pride. We have to realize it. 
Second of all, I believe we have to call upon the Lord in prayer. Jesus said, take my yoke and learn of me. And my yoke is easy and my burden is light, for I am meek and lowly in heart. There's a school. There's a school of Christ we've talked about. Not the one in Beaumont, but the school of Christ where the individual believer uh, takes the yoke of Christ. We're, we're yoked together with Him and we learn of Him. And then He points out, learn of me. And He didn't say in that sentence necessarily, I'm powerful. Learn of me because I'm mighty and I do miracles. Of course He did miracles. All right? As He did, we're going to do also and so forth. He could have said a lot of things, but in that passage in Matthew, He says, take my yoke and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. That's what He chose to say. Chose to say. And that's what He wants us to learn. We have to learn that by faith. We have to learn that by experience in walking with the Lord, first being born again, and then getting up daily, taking our cross and following the Lord. And He will be working that in our lives. And He's going to show us. You know what, Randy? Close the door. I leave a conversation. I leave a meeting, whatever. You are very prideful in there just now. And our, my heart smites. Lord, forgive me. He may say, I want you to go back and apologize or, you know what I mean, ask their forgiveness for your pride. It's walking with the Lord like that. He begins to, then I'm more aware of it. And next time I have a meeting like that, I'm going to think about it before I go in. And I'm going to think about it as the conversation's going on. My opinion is not necessarily more valuable than their opinion. I need to listen. You understand what I'm saying? It comes through walking closely with the Lord. Just real quickly, I want to touch on this part. If you're still in 1 Peter, um, the elders which are... I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong verse. Likewise, you younger submit yourselves unto the elder. I would say this is going to be within the context of can you submit to them as a Christian? In other words, if somebody's older than you, let's give a, a real strange example. Let's say a, a, a teenager or college age or something, young adult gets saved and their family's not saved. And the family wants them to do something unchristian. We're all going to do this. We're, they're not Christians. This young person is. Well, in conscience before the Lord, this believer can't do that. So they're not going to submit to the elders just because they're older in everything. But I would say in all things being equal in the church and even out of the church, a professor, a teacher, a law enforcement, whoever, uh, given instructions. If it's not going against your conscience as a believer, younger, submit to the elder. I think that's what's being taught here. If it's not going against your Christian, I'm conscious as a Christian, where it would cause you to go against the Lord and His Word, then submit to an elder, even if they're not a believer. There could be a lot of things that that same scenario, a saved young person and their parents aren't saved and their parents want them to do such and such. And it's not ungodly. might not be the favorite thing that this Christian would want to do or choose to do, but it's not a sin. Then submit. Go along. Do, do what they're asking you to do. And one of the best Scriptures... I read on this. It's from the Old Testament, Leviticus 19.32. I'll just read it. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head or the white-haired 
and honor the face of the old, old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. He's commanded them. I know it's an Old Testament law, but it still shows you the respect that God wants the younger to give the, the elder. I'll read it again. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head. In other words, stand up. Give them honor when they walk in the room kind of thing. And honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. Again, all things being equal. If this isn't a demonic person or if this, this older person is not trying to get you to be disobedient to Christ or the Word of God. All things being equal. Even if it's not your favorite. Even if it's a little inconvenient. Submit. That is a teaching of the Scriptures. All of us has, have somebody older than us. Most of us have somebody younger than us. The youngers submit to the elder. All things being equal. It seems like that's something that is not very common, you would say, in our day. Where thou, thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear God. I am the Lord, he says. It seems like we don't see that very often. But again, it's a godly trait. When, when our conscience forbids us to, like I said, what's a good example of that? I was thinking about the three Hebrew boys in the kingdom of Babylon. They were very, very, you have to see this, so was Daniel. Very, very loyal to the king. And the different kings that Daniel outlived certain kings and kept on in power. He was not disloyal to the kings. He was a, a faithful servant. However high his position was, the three Hebrews were not disloyal to the government or to the king. But when this one command came, when they hear the sound of the music, bow down and worship this idol, their heart belonged to God. Their worship belonged to the Lord. This they could not do. They couldn't do it. And they, would have been, they were the best servants and the most loyal and faithful to the king of the whole kingdom. It was stupid that they were asked to do it. But we have it there before us. And they said, King, we can't do this. We're not trying to be disrespectful. We cannot do that. So there are things in life like that that we can't. Whether they died in the fire, which they didn't, but they could have, or not died in the fire, um, they couldn't bow. Alright, so here's another way. How, do we, how can we be humble? We take every occasion, this is a hard one, take every occasion of life to, to learn that humility. When somebody's putting you in your place, and you don't want to be put in your place. And that pride rises up within you. Take every occasion uh, as a believer to learn humility. Let that be another lesson for you, so to speak. Let it be like a coach giving you another drill or, or a drill instructor in the military giving you another drill. Okay, take it from the Lord and learn from it. So honestly, that's all I can say. You know, the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. So does one man sharpen another man. Well, I can also say that circumstances, whether it's a lost man or a saved man that I'm dealing with in life, can be used by the Lord to sharpen me in my walk with God or make me more like Christ. It's the Lord that's going to make me more like Christ. But He can use these circumstances to really put it into practice and to knock things, whittle things away from my life. And every one of us has our own little sphere, uh, the people that, that come into our lives. And that's a wonderful way to look at it. I'm going to look at, and I'm not saying that I have at all 
him mature in that. To look at every area that thing that comes my way as an opportunity to grow in Christ. We're to really work out. It is a fruit of the Spirit, meekness, humility, but we have to work out what God has worked in us. I don't take credit for it. I'm not making myself humble. God is working humility in my life. But I hit the way He does it sometimes is by hands-on putting you with in this situation where you're overlooked. You know you're the most qualified. You know you, you should have been here. And men put you here. And went on and didn't even notice all you had done. Because you really deserve to be here. And use those, okay Lord, I'm going to receive that as being from you. Not something demonic as being from God. Like bow to the idol. But this being overlooked, God, I, I realize there's a whole lot more in me that still loves me. And my position loves being noticed. And so, Lord, help me. Alright? And He'll help us. Okay? I just want to read a couple little comments here. We are to submit. It's a self-denial. A self-denial. To submit to discomfort that we may promote the comfort of others. These are simple things. It's like standing up on the subway to give someone else a seat. People don't do that anymore. And I don't live on a place where there's a lot of subways, but on a few vacations we go on and we're jumping on some train, you know, uh, taking us to the baseball stadium or whatever. People don't do that. But, but that's a godly trait. To submit to inconvenience that we may make life easier for others. To submit to the cross that we may win people to the Lord. Uh, Submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. We read that earlier in our study in First Peter. So we're submitting, 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 not to sinful things, but it could be to hurtful, hurtful things in the sense that it puts me out. It's inconvenient. It's costly. I get overlooked. They get it off, off easy and I took the brunt of it. That kind of thing we can do. That is a godly trait. The Lord has to work that in us. Uh, yield before the wrong. Hold your mouth before you say the words that are bursting to come out of you. You know what I'm saying? When you were overlooked and you feel it rising up and you have just the right sentence to say to just put them all in their place right here, don't. Don't. Let the Lord defend us. I'm not saying that we never ever have a moment to speak up. There's a few moments that Paul stood up, defended himself before King Agrippa and a few others. Or Jesus, he was silent before you know, Pilate. There's a few words he did say there. I would say we have to be led by the Lord. But in general, you see this, the, the humility is going to be uh, just subject to the Lord. Just take the wrong. Sometimes we just take the wrong. And that's nobody in the life wants to do that, do they? When they genuinely are being wronged and they want to scream for their rights. And we're to submit, it says, to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. If, if we're rebuked by our employer, take it quietly and take it from the Lord and take it to the Lord and just receive it. He might show you in a week to say something. He may not. But you know you can go talk to him about it and he'll make it okay. And so he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's the part where we have to receive it as being from the Lord. And I say this all the time. It's not just like 
D walking around this planet with just her and God and no people. Everything's sort of fleshed out in relationships with people. Lost people and saved people. People that do you wrong and people that do you right. People that stab you in the back. People that are faithful unto death. We're, we're around people all the time. Total strangers, enemies, vile people, people that don't know, even know that you exist, people that you don't even know that they exist. Life is just... And in all of those, Christ has a way for us to live. That's where it's really the rubber meets the road. And that's where He's working in us the fruit of the Spirit and our dependency upon Him and so forth. So, uh, otherwise, you know what? We're going to always... If we don't humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we're always going to feel like a victim. And you know the age in which we live. I don't even have to get into that. Everyone, I mean everyone, is a victim. Look at me, I'm a victim. I need a special paycheck. You know, you got to send government's got to send me a check. Or I've got to get... Uh, don't have to score as high on my ACT. Everything, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. Everybody's a victim. And Christians aren't victims. We're not a victim. We're born again. We're the head and not the tail. And we're to go through life and you will be taken advantage of by people, but we receive it as being from the Lord and we say, He's just working humility in me. I'm not saying this to you like I've done it. Like, come see me about it. I've got it all figured out. I'm saying it because we're all... This is the way of the Lord. What's going to happen is we're going to, if we don't humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we're going to feel like uh, God has been unfair to us. Have you ever felt like God's been unfair to you? I'm not asking for a show of hands. But honestly, when you say, why am I going through this? And (coughs) so-and-so, they're not even as good a Christian as I am. Okay? And look how their, their life's going. Why we would start to feel like God had dealt wrongly with us, unfairly with us. Something God gave us the uh, the short end, like we deserve better treatment from the Lord than this. But when we get the worst of things, it's still ten thousand times better than what we deserve. That's what we have to realize. So if I get the worst treatment in my little circle of friends or church or at work, or these Christians should have noticed me and patted me on the back and they overlooked me and they noticed this person who hadn't done one darn thing and they noticed them and praised them, it's still 10,000 times better than what we should have gotten and what we should have received. Because you know what we've done in our life? We've heaped up sins and sins and sins against the Holy God. We've been forgiven of all those. And even since we've been saved, we've heaped up sins. We haven't heaped them up, but we've committed sins. And countless times had to go to Him for forgiveness. And He has forgiven us every time. So it has to be as unto the Lord. Um, It's God's hand upon us. Sometimes it can be heavy. okay? But we're humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. You say, golly, Lord, Your hand is heavy upon me. I wish You would lift it up a little bit. And He knows just how much like, pressure to put upon us. And it's, it's still loving hands and kind hands. David cried, Day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture, his, his crying, was turned into the drought of summer. Uh, but we ought to allow the Lord to do that. Amen? Allow the Lord to have His way. He knows what He's doing. 
He knows what he's doing. We're going to be bringing this to a, to a close here. Another thing, y'all, about humility, that if we would humble ourselves, as I said earlier, and judge ourselves according to the Word of God and according to Christ as being our standard, then we would not have to be judged all the time. We wouldn't have to be openly rebuked or somebody calls us off to the side, a Christian brother, and really uh, hurts our feelings, so to speak, because they're given some word from the Lord about our pride. And, and we need to receive it if it's, if it's so. But honestly, if we would spend our time in prayer with the Lord, humbling ourselves, then we would, the Bible does say that if we would judge ourselves, we wouldn't have to be judged. Okay? Wouldn't have to be judged. Just a couple other things in closing. Um, we're quick to notice our best points and, and others' faults the quickest. You understand what I'm saying? I see the best in me sometimes when I'm judging myself and the worst in Damien. Okay? I'm just using it for an example. So when I'm comparing me to Damien in my mind, I would never say these words. I'm always going to come out on top. You know, in my mind. It could be the farthest thing from the truth because I'm so quick to see all my wonderful traits and so quick to see he does this, this, and this that I don't like and it's not godly. What if we magnified each other's good qualities in Christ and didn't magnify our own so much and we were quick to see our own faults? But if I would notice all the Sherry's wonderful qualities and traits and so forth and not be so quick to point my own out, you understand what I'm saying? It would be much easier to submit and humble ourselves. And I think that's something we need to do. Uh, Last thing would be claim, claim the humility of the Lord. Well, again, I opened it with this. He was Jesus said, "I'm meek and lowly in heart," and it is a fruit of His Spirit that humility, true godly humility, is from God and of God and nowhere else. There's not another source of it. There's not another fountain you can go to to say, "Well, I'm going to get humility over here." It's going to come from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to come through the school of hard knocks. It's going to come through abiding in Christ, taking His yoke and learning of Him and letting the Holy Ghost work in us. And so when it's all said and done, when we, we, seek, when we sink lower in our self-esteem, that's a good thing. That is so contrary, y'all, to the world. You know what I'm talking about. They're little kindergartners are, are taught self-esteem. I mean, that's all of them. Every, it's in Christian schools. It's everywhere. Self-esteem, self-love, self-worth, self-value, self-forgiveness, self-acceptance, all that. First step to forgiving others, you've got to forgive yourself. No, you've got to repent. Ask God to forgive you of your sins. Okay, Who can forgive sins but God? It's not going to come as I forgive myself. It's going to come when I go to the Lord and acknowledge my sin. It's ever before me. God, forgive me. I don't have any real worth other than Christ in me and the value He's placed on my life. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's so contrary to the world. We need to sink down in our own estimation of ourselves. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And He will do what? Exalt you in due time. It simply means, uh, due time means His proper time. True humility is always a pathway to exaltation. Look at Jesus' life. We've talked about it before. 
And I'm going to close with that thought. What's in us, we desire to be magnified, so to speak, or exalted or lifted up. We need to die to ourselves. True godly humility. You see it in the Bible. Moses was the, the, the Word of God says of the man, the most meek man on the face of all the earth. It's an amazing statement. What did God do with the most meek man on the face of all the earth? He made him ruler of his people, Israel. You see what I'm saying? Humble yourself. He's going to exalt you in due time. We don't need a big posse around us pumping us up and promoting us all the time. You know, we, we need to humble ourselves before the Lord and let Him magnify us in His due time. I'll close with this Scripture uh, in, in James. I'll just read it. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. That's from James 1.9. We see it in Daniel's life. We see it in Joseph's life. The Lord exalted him. A man of humility. We see it in Moses' life. We see it in David's life. He's nothing but a shepherd. He says, who am I, Lord, that you even consider me or my house? That you've made this covenant with me? You know, when God made a, the Davidic covenant, that God would have someone from His line sit on the throne of David forever. And actually, that's only possible through Jesus Christ who was born of that line. And God makes this covenant to him. And he says, who am I, Lord? He didn't say, well, you're doing right, it's me. You should have picked me, God. Good choice. That's not what he said. He said, who am I, Lord? What is my house? I'm just a shepherd boy. I'm a nobody. But thank you for doing it, God. You understand what I'm saying? It's a wonderful trait to be. Humble ourselves before the Lord and let Him lift us up. You can come. That's just our study tonight on humility. It must be because I needed it. It must be because uh, as a body, maybe someone else in here needed it. I think in a month from now, two months, six months, we'll still need to hear uh, words of exhortation from the Bible about humility in our lives. Amen.